our friends in Honduras. Most of you know we support uh, Manos Exendidas, Extended Hands Ministry in Honduras. Many have gone uh, down there, spent some time with them, a week with them uh, to see what they do, help them in their cause. And you know, we've been supporting them. They've had lockdown there just like we had here, except it's much more difficult there. And so we've been sending them monthly support uh, if, if you've seen on Facebook that they've been using to, uh, to feed people, not just people in the church that make sure the church is taken care of, uh, but, but people in the community. Uh, hundreds of people, many, many families have been benefiting from that. And of course, if you want to uh, support them, uh, just make a little note as you give your tithes and your offerings to the Lord as part of your worship. Uh, Honduras, either in a memo line or just on the envelope, and we'll make sure that uh, every dime marked Honduras gets to them, and we're sending uh, money on top of that. But Pastor Alvin wrote, he said, churches again are congregating um, from 8 to 5, Monday to the Friday, uh, and all weekend Honduras continues to be under martial law. Uh, nevertheless, two weeks ago, believers from the four churches uh, that they run there began meeting in our buildings. Safety precautions were put into place. Uh, the youngest weren't able to go. The oldest weren't able uh, to go. Uh, but he mentioned that all four congregations have grown due to the physical care that they have been giving during this pandemic. As they've been going into the community and feeding people, loving on people, when the church opened back up, the people were coming to church. Praise the Lord. He said the, the, it's grown through the physical care, visits, groceries, and personal attention church members have provided to the community during the past five months. He said, we're extremely grateful to the Lord for 17-year-old Kevin. Seven, several months ago, he gave his life to Christ during a service at the Boys Juvenile Detention Center. And Boys Juvenile Detention Center makes it sound a little too nice. It's a concrete jail is what it is. We've been there. It's not nice. He said, within a week of giving his life to Christ and uh, two weeks ago being released, he brought 13 members of his family, including his girlfriend, parents, cousins, nephews, to fellowship at our central church. Uh, he had been a member of one of the most dangerous gangs in the city. And that's them going and ministering in the jail. He's coming out of jail and having a, a, a Matthew the tax collector experience. He's like, I found Jesus. I'm gonna bring all of my friends. All y'all are coming too. Everybody's coming. I want, you to, I want you to see what I've found. So, so some blessings there. Uh, there was some uh, troubling news. He said on the 5th of August after attending our Wednesday evening service, uh, Manuel, one of their members was murdered in his home. Uh, he was among the first boys that they were involved in rehabbing from a life on the streets. Uh, he was 37. And on May 20th, they performed his mother's funeral. She died of liver disease. He said, during the past three months, we've led or been a part of more funerals than the past two years combined. Um, and then he quotes Mark 31, where it says, let's go off to a quiet place to rest a while. So many challenges there. And those of you that have been, it's a, it's, it's a country that, that struggles with uh, violence and murder at rates that we can't fathom. Like we, we, we see problems here. We have issues here, obviously, with, with violence and, and even unrest, but to, to a level that we can't fathom. So continue to, to think of them in your prayers uh, to God. Bring them before the throne. And again, if you want to help uh, give 
towards their ministry, I can promise you that what, what you're sending will be well used for kingdom purposes. And before we move on, let, let's just take a moment and pray for them as we've read that. And it's on our mind. If you'll bow with me. Father, we, we bring before you Pastor Alvin uh, Anderson, his wife, Nellie, their family, God, and, and those that you have brought uh, into their life. They're part of all four of these churches. Uh, Lord, we pray that they wouldn't grow weary and overwhelmed in well-doing. They are on the front lines uh, doing kingdom work. I thank you that you sustain them in a way that is supernatural. I thank you, Lord, that you give them strength and peace uh, that is beyond human measure. And I thank you that grace flows forth from those places. I thank you for the testimonies of love going out and grace calling sons and daughters home. And I thank you that you will continue that in their midst. I thank you for mighty works that will be done there. I thank you, Lord, for what we can be a small part of that, but that we can come along and support them uh, in, in the means that you have given us. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, that you will encourage us in any way that that can increase on our side. But I, I thank you, Lord, that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I thank you that your grace is abounding towards them in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Amen. Amen. It's a lot, lot going on. Uh, don't forget Wednesday night, 630 Bible study here at the church. Um, been having a lot of fun there. Excuse me. And have a question in our question box this morning. We're going to talk about as our icebreaker uh, first on Wednesday night. So don't miss that. It's going to be a good time together. Um, we are working on, and, and Alyssa is kind of spearheading, having a youth retreat here at the church in the month of October. Uh, do all the shutdowns. Our youth were scheduled to go to camp, signed up to go to camp, didn't get to go. That was canceled all summer long. So uh, it, it was her heart. And we, we've jumped along with that to have something special for our kids, their friends, uh, th their acquaintances here uh, on a Friday and Saturday in October uh, where they can receive that, that direct ministry that they would normally get at a camp. So that's going to be fun. If you'd like to be involved in that, uh, let us know. Uh, and then we'll have more information coming about that soon. All right, get your Bibles and let's open those to the book of Luke chapter 16. The book of Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to read a little stretch here. And then I, then I want to share with you what I believe the Lord has for us today. Beginning in verse 1, Luke chapter 16, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what is this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and to discuss the situation. And he asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. 
And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. He said, I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not, <coughs> excuse me, if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Father, thank you for your word. Open our eyes to the wonders of it today. Bless us and encourage us. Build us up in our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are we doing with what we've been given? All the capital, all the resources, everything that we have, what are we doing with it? Are we working it, using it to create more value, or is it working us and creating a burden? So this week, I thought about getting a tattoo on Friday, specifically. I don't have any tattoos, but I might. On Friday, I thought about it, and I'll tell you why. I've been studying this, obviously getting ready for uh, today. And I was listening to a podcast, and I know not everybody knows what that is. It's basically a radio show that you can listen to on your phone with no commercials most of the time, or if there is, you can fast forward through them, which is awesome. And we have one here for the church. Matter of fact, you can listen to this on there later this afternoon. It was two men talking about sports. Actually, they were doing a Q&A. People were sending in questions. They're answering questions. And one of the questions was, what was your favorite sports moment in your life that you were either involved in or that you got to go and see? And uh, the two guys were talking and one said, well, it was when my dad got tickets for us to go see the Colts at the Hoosier Dome and they just got Eric Dickerson as their running back and I got to see him play and it was awesome and I was there with my pops and it was, it was, it was something I'll always remember. And the other one said, it was when my dad got us tickets to go see uh, the Green Bay Packers play at Lambeau Field against the Minnesota Vikings. They were big Minnesota Vikings fans. And it was Randy Moss's first uh, year in the league, his rookie season. And he just had a blowout game. The Vikings crushed the Packers in that game. And they're talking about this and you could tell that they were real, um, you know, nostalgic about it. Uh, the, the, the sport moment part. But what I was picking up on was how much they talked about being there with their dad, right? That's what stuck out uh, to me, and of course, it made me think about my dad, made me think about uh, my kids and, and what I want for them, that I want them to have like special moments that they think back on uh, when they're older, you know, about dad or spent time with dad, did this, 
with dad. And obviously then there's a little bit of guilt that comes up from that. Like, man, I got to do better. I get stressed with them too much. I, I, I deal with aggravation uh, too much. It's like, uh, and then, you know, the answer to why I get stressed with them is usually I'm busy and usually there's not enough time in my mind, right? For all the things that I've got laid out in front of me uh, to do. We were talking last night at our couple's night out, which was amazing. It was great. Thank you to Lacey and Amanda and Abby for, for helping with the kids here at the church and, and letting us do that. We had a great time just driving down there with nobody else in the car and just getting to talk and, and then getting to visit at the table. One thing we're talking about is how young people like at work or in, in, in life will, will start to tell you how life is. And obviously I'm not old. I'm not old. Uh, you just declare it into the act. I'm not old. But, you know, younger people in their early 20s and they're telling you how how life is for them. And like, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. And they're like single and no kids. I'm just so busy. I'm like, yeah, I got you. You're fine. You'll, you'll make it. You'll make it. But just busy, busy, not enough time. And so that 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 causes stress sometimes when the kids are needing something or something pops up and it's like, oh, just mm, and you get stressed with them. And, and then uh, the, the, the Holy Spirit ministering to me. You know, some people say that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Some people get flipped out when you say that. And, and I don't like that word. You know, when we say God spoke to me and not for the reason that they don't like it. I don't like it because it doesn't encompass actually what's happening. It's not, it, it's not full enough to explain it because basically what happens, it's like words that are on fire are injected into your brain. And when it hits, it's just like you love it and it's amazing and it goes from the top of your head down to the bottom of your feet and, and, it, and that doesn't happen when anybody else says anything to me. Uh, in a simpler way to explain it, it's, it's, we talked about it on Wednesday night because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will teach us, he'll counsel us, he'll direct us what to say. And so I'm, I'm driving along and I'm thinking on this and these guys and their dads and how I get stressed with my kids and how I want to do better. And, and then what I what I heard, what landed on my brain was you can always make room for 15 minutes. You've always got 15 minutes. And that was and you're like, OK, well, that doesn't that sounds like normal. But it just hit me so strong in that moment. That's what I was like. I got to get this tattoo somewhere. I don't know if it's like a watch face or something. I want to get it so that I remember that that I, my schedule is not so hectic enough that I don't have 15 minutes for, for, for them, for her, for you, for anybody, anything that I can't just go, let me stop doing this and I can step over into this for at least 15 minutes. Now, obviously, the kids always require much more than 15 minutes. But what I wanted to remember is that I've got to do a better job of making my time work for me instead of me working for my time. I've got to do a better job of making my schedule work for me instead of me working for it so that it can benefit others, right? Going back to the guys and their dads. I want to build out my time better for the expected things so that I can step into something that's unexpected. So that I can be ready and able to go, yeah, I can, I can do that. Especially when you get a, hey, daddy, look at this. Daddy, watch this. Daddy, watch. Daddy, are you watching? Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. Luke will make sure you maintain eye contact the whole time. And he gets offended if you don't. But I have mismanaged 
my day if I can't spare 15 minutes? And what I've learned in my life is that I remember when people committed time for me. I remember when they gave time for me. There's this one quote about Mr. Rogers. I don't know if you grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, uh, but a guy was talking about him and he said, when he was talking to you, you felt like you were the only person in the world. You felt like not only you're the only person in the room, but that you were the only person in the world. And he was a busy man, had a lot of stuff going on, but he, he said when he locked in with you, that he was there. You felt like you were the most important person in the world. And so here in Luke 16, we have Jesus telling a parable and teaching his disciples of how to use what we have of value that's fleeting and untrustworthy. It may be all of those things, but using the things that we have, even if it's time to impact others. And he does it by telling the story about a rich man and the man that was managing the rich man's affairs. It says the manager was wasting, squandering his his boss's resources that squandering the same thing we, we talked about last week with the prodigal son that he wasted all of his money on wild living. It's, it's a wasting term that it uses here. And, and we know you don't mess with people's money, right? Because when they find out they're going to be lit. And so the, the, the rich man came to the manager and said, what is all this? I hear about you wasting my money. Get, get the final report ready because you're gone. You're out of here. Fired, you're fired. And the manager goes, oh no. Well, I, this is the end of the line for me. What am I gonna do? And he has a great line in there. I'm not strong enough to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. And he's like, what am I going to do? And he has a light bulb moment. So he realizes that he still has access to capital. He still has access to something that has value and he's gonna make it work for him. So he calls in everybody that owes his boss money. And he was like, what do you owe him? The guy's like, I owe him a thousand gallons of olive oil. Now, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store, but that would be a lot of money, right? It would be a lot of money. And he says, well, Cut it, or well, he said 800, cut it to 400. Cut it in half, 50% discount today. We're gonna short sale this. What about you, next guy? A thousand bushels of wheat. Cut it to, cut it to 800. Cut it to 800. Because he said, I know how to make sure I'll have friends when I get fired. So what's he doing? He's short selling the stuff, they're gonna benefit. He's thinking, I'm either gonna get a job with them or maybe they'll let me live on some of that difference, right? Use what you have to, to create value and benefit others. Now, obviously, this guy in the story is extremely shady. That was not his stuff to be doing that with. He shouldn't have been doing that. That's the, that, that's the boss's stuff. He's slashing prices and he's not the one taking the law. So incredibly shady guy. But he had been given it and he was going to find a way to make it work for him why? Because all of a sudden he realizes he's about to be at the end of something. He's about to be at the end and he had to make the most of it. And it even says the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for how shrewd he was being. And again, terribly shady, but at least he was being creative about it. The boss was like, I didn't expect you to do this. This is honestly, I'm impressed. 
is the line, right? Honestly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little impressed. Now, Jesus is telling the story. Does that mean Jesus is recommending that we be dishonest rascals? No, the answer is no. Of course not. What is he doing? He's using a negative example to prove a positive truth. He's using something that's going to stand out in the ears of the hearers to, to point out a positive truth. And he, and he says in, in verse 8, the latter part, he said, you know, the rich man even admired the, the dishonest rascal because he was so shrewd. And then he said, the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. And so it, it leans to see more like, are we sure that he's not recommending that we be dishonest rascals? Of course he's not. But, he, but he's using the word shrewd, which means intelligent, wise, prudent, practical, street smart, purposeful. And just to make sure that we don't misunderstand and think he's saying that we should misuse dishonestly resources that were given. He, he goes to verse nine where he says, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources, the things that you have that are of value to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you into an eternal home. So in other words, learn a lesson from this man who was probably either lazy or dishonest at the beginning. Could have just been lazy. Lazy, shady, crooked manager. When he saw the end was near, he changed the way that he was looking at things and he went to work. The accounts that he was managing weren't going to benefit him one bit with him just walking out the door. So he was just going to use them to the fullest to accomplish his purpose, which was to save his own skin. So that's the negative example to point us to a positive truth. So not like what he did, but use what you've been given, the worldly resources that we've been given to benefit others and to make friends. Why? Because your worldly possessions, your earthly possessions will be gone. They're going to be gone. The things that we have in this world, they're going to be gone. That's going to happen in some multiple ways. Sometimes they just disappear. You remember when you thought you had, I thought I had more money than this, right? Can you tell you how many people come in the bank and go, this is wrong. I have more money than this. It's like, it's really not. I mean, it's just math. It's this, you spent this, but I have more money. I, I had a guy. And, and he's gone on to be with the Lord now. He's, he's a good Christian guy, but he was worked up that day. And he said, I make more money than this. I should have more money than this. And I said, you need to go. I just, and he kept going and he kept going and he kept going. I said, listen, do, when you leave out of here, do you want to know something more than when you came in? And he said, well, yeah. I said, then you have to calm down and listen to me. And we, we ended up going through it. And yeah, it was gone because you spent it. It was just gone. It just disappears. It just goes. The Bible says things perish with the using. It just goes. It's like, where did I thought I had more money? Where did it go? It just goes. So it, sometimes it just disappears. Sometimes you can get so much of it that you just end up being broken by it. You see this, we may not get there. I, the Bible says that would be good, but we may never get there where we just have so much that we can get whatever we want and realize that nothing is going to satisfy us. And then it just fades away. Hope fades away. And then finally, you're going to die. Nobody in this room is immortal. 
not one of us, we're going to die, then what happens to all that stuff? That's a sad thought experiment, right? Have you ever sat and thought about that? Like, I got my stuff here. If anything were to happen to me, all of a sudden this ain't my stuff no more. It's somebody else's stuff now. I was saying, again, studying this, sitting there the other day thinking like, I mean, these are my shoes. What happens if I'm gone? These are just somebody else's shoes all of a sudden. Somebody's running around in my shoes. And it bothered me, right? Because why? It's my stuff. But it won't be. Not then, right? I always tell Kelly, if anything happens to me, don't throw away my books. Keep them. But again, they won't be mine. Jesus said, he's pointing out to us in this story that this shrewd manager, shady as he was, he saw the end and then he reevaluated and changed what he was doing based on what he had seen. So he made decisions with the end in mind. And Jesus said, my people, the children of light, aren't doing that. They're not paying attention to the end. And so they're living like the end isn't coming. They're just stuck in the same grind as everybody else, a slave to the moment like everybody else. He's like, make the most out of what it is that you've been given. What we have, and we've been given a lot, what are we doing with it? Our bodies, he's given us this body, this life. What are we doing with it? Are we stewarding it well to make sure that we're able to, to, to go and do and help? Are we, are we able? He's given us family. He's given us relationship. What are we doing with that? Are we fostering it so that it grows in value? He's given us a dwelling, a place to wherever, wherever you are. You're, you're somewhere. What are you doing with that. He's given you this church. He's given you time. Time here on earth. Capital. Valuable items. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? And, and then he tells us something else. He tells us that the amount of what we have will vary and it's also irrelevant. He's like, you may have a lot, you may have a little, but the issue regardless is going to be your heart. Your heart is going to be the issue. Look what he said in verse 10. He said, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, say that five times fast, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, who should, who, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? He's saying, if you're lazy with a little bit, you're going to be lazy with a bunch. If you're selfish with a little bit, you're going to be selfish with a bunch. But if you walk in integrity with a little bit, you're going to walk in integrity with a bunch. He's reminding us to look up from what we're doing. Remember that there is an end coming. That all this stuff we have of value is going to go away or go out of our Hands, what are we doing with it while we have it? The end is coming either of our life or the whole shooting match. What are we doing with the things that we have in hand in the meantime? Remember what we talked about in verse 12 when he said, be ready, be dressed, have your lamp burning because the master's coming back. What are we doing to be ready? When we talked about that, it brings about an immediacy and an intensity, just like the guy that found out he was about to be fired. He's like, I've got to do something right now. 
with the end in mind, laziness has to go. Selfishness has got to go because that's not going to be the things that land the plane. That's not going to get us to where we need to be at the end of this thing. He wants us to lift our sight and change our heart. For what purpose? So that we'll better use the valuable temporary things that we've been given. The things that we have in our hand that won't be there long, but we'll use them better because we'll know that there's an end out there ahead of us. And what's he want, what does he want us to use them for? To build ourselves up, build a kingdom for ourselves? No. He says benefit others and make friends, relationships. Now, oddly enough, like the man pointed out, when you build relationships and benefit others, it's going to move you ahead. It's going to move you ahead, but it, it changes our focus. If our focus is on ourselves, if my focus is on me, then I never have enough. I never have enough. I always need just a little bit more. Just a little bit more, right? We were talking about last night. How strong you want to get? Just a little bit stronger. Just a little bit. They asked the richest man in the U.S. at one time, Rockefeller, said, how much money do you need? He said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And the focus is on us. We never have enough. But when we focus on others, it's, it's never too little to work with. However little we may have, I can work with this. Why? Because somebody else needs it. We talked about, and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but Pastor Alvin in the newsletter, he just went to Honduras by himself. He had a motorcycle. This is decades ago now. When he got there, that's how he showed up. And he would go up to where these kids lived on the hill and he would try to teach them about Jesus and teach them about the Bible. And then it came time for him to eat lunch. And he was like, all right, I'm going to eat my lunch. I'll go eat your lunch. And they're like, we don't have lunch. He's like, you don't have lunch? Well, what'd you eat for breakfast? We didn't eat breakfast. When, when was the last time that you ate? And he's like going back. Like some of them, it's like the day before. Some of them, it might have been before that. And he was like, well, I got to do something about this. And so he got buckets of oatmeal. He started making up buckets. of I mean, cheap bucket of oatmeal that he could drive up there on his motorcycle. And that's what he started with was a bucket of oatmeal feeding a half a dozen kids on a hillside. And he was faithful and little. And you see what God's grown it into. He mentioned four churches, multiple ministries, ministering in that country. But he started with, when it's focused on others, he's like, well, this is just oatmeal, but I'll feed them today. Right? Focused on others, it's never too little to work with. Think about all the silly things that we have and that we do. We have countertops that you can't set stuff on. We have carpet that people can't walk on. Oh, don't walk on that carpet. Why? What's it for if we can't walk on it? What's it there for? Right? We have, a we have furniture nobody can sit on. You've gone in that one mom's house. Like, don't sit on that couch. What is it here for? What do we have it for? We have a schedule that we can't move if real life stuff happens. What's it about? And we have this pride where we, well, I don't want to look silly or, or weird. What? All of these things. And sometimes we have a car nobody can get in, right? Maybe because it's too clean. You ever got in somebody's car and it's like so clean you don't want to touch anything? And then sometimes you get in a friend's car and it's so dirty you don't want to touch anything. <laughs> right? Where it's like you open the door. Hold on. Let me scoop all this stuff out so you can see it. I'm ready. Let's go. 
do we have something that's ready for use? Because we're supposed to run these things and not have them run us, right? That's why we have concrete floors in here instead of carpet. So they, I mean, number one, it looks kind of cool, right? Number two, a kid can walk in here with a Coca-Cola and I'm like, get after it, buddy. You know, why? So that it can be useful. And we don't spend all of our time going, stop that, don't do that. Oh, no, can't take this in. We're putting up signs of all the things you can't do when the first sign should have just been, maybe don't put carpet in there. Maybe that would have been a better idea. Anyway, <laughs> that's rabbit trail, maybe. So going back to the scripture, verse 13, Jesus gives us a rock solid principle of life. Something you want to remember, something that's always true. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. And we talked about this back in Matthew chapter 6, if you were with us then. You can't lean into one thing without leaning away from something else. You can't serve one thing without removing service from something else. So what I believe that we can remember out of this is who we serve affects how we serve. Who we serve affects how we serve. If I serve myself, I'm going to serve one way. If I serve him, I'm going to serve a completely different way because I have different sight lines depending on which one we're talking about. When we serve Christ, it changes how we see money, how we see possessions, how we see power, how we see sex. It's countercultural how we view things. It's counter to the culture. It's what causes us to stand out, to be a light in the darkness, how we manage those things that we have. Did you know that God, when He looks at us, He doesn't consider anything that we have to be ours? And I said, These are my shoes. He's like, No. They belong to me. Why? Because you belong to me. But who we serve affects how we serve. And then when we treat those things differently, it stands out in culture. It stands out, again, as a light in the darkness. How we handle our money, how we handle our possessions, how we uh, lord it over, but we use it rightly and graciously with mercy like He does. It's those viewpoints and those values that we hold that cause us to stand out. Amen. As I start to wrap up, Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come, get ready for us to sing here in a minute. The parable is about a manager steward, and once he realized the immediacy of his situation, he changed his behavior. He changed his mindset, and he changed his behavior. So what are we doing with the valuable resources that we've been given? What perspective do we have on the end of this thing? Because when we, when we begin with the end in mind, we, we treat things differently. Are we working the things that we've been given? Are we using it to create more value, to bless others? Or is it working us, creating a burden that weighs us down? Because remember, one day it's all going to be gone, and that's going to get here much quicker than we think. But seeing the end out there, however far off, not fearfully, but with eyes of faith and understanding, it empowers us to reevaluate and make changes 
based on that reordering of value. The kingdom of this world would not be the one we identify with, but the kingdom of God would be the one that we identify with. We want to live in such a way that more people miss us when we're not there, right? We want to live in such a way that if we're not here anymore, they go, oh man, gosh, right? And not, you know, in like in a punitive way, you'll miss me when I'm gone, not like that, right? But that you brought value into someone's life so that when that is removed, they feel it and notice it. And they can look back on it and go like, well, he, he told me it wasn't about him. He told me it was about Jesus. And that resonates, just like the guys I was listening to. It resonated with them that their dad had taken the time to do something with them. It was special to them. We want to live in such a way that more people miss us when, they're, when we're not there. That it's not like, finally, he's gone. Gosh, whew. He was something else, wasn't he? No, that's not what we want. We want to use our resources to serve him instead of serving our resources. We can live our lives just to try to keep up what we have or we can serve him. And the big difference is one day those resources are going to be gone and he never will be. He never will be. There's an eternity there with him. And again, it's a countercultural light in the darkness. How we handle these things should be different from the world. How we handle it should be different from the world. Jesus said you need to be shrewd like they're shrewd, but how you handle it is going to be different and it's going to stand out. And again, you, if you pair it with last week, he, he said the tax collectors, the sinners, the lost sons come into new life, new life in me. There's a new sight that comes with that and a new way of living. And it's not a magical spell. Poof. Hey, you, you prayed, you got in the water. Poof. Now everything's good to go, right? It's a slow and sure sanctification. It's a growing up into the image of the one that we were born after. We see newly, so we serve him differently. And it change, one thing that that does is it changes how we view our resources. It changes how we use our resources. That as we grow, we give. We grow to give and, and not getting it twisted where it's about what we have it's about what we can give what we can do because all of this is going to come to a close and what have we done with it we always have 15 minutes we always have 15 minutes and somebody's going to need it somebody's going to need it they're going to need you they're going to need you to be a light they're going to need you to be a comfort. They're going to need you to be a grace and a mercy in their life. And it may just take you 15 minutes. It may just take 15 minutes. Don't let your schedule get so tight that you've got to hurry past something that God would say, maybe, maybe they really need you right now. Right? For the testimony of how it can impact our lives when somebody takes the time 
to press in through the awkwardness, to press in through the social norms and just say, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Right? It's usually that second one that gets us. How are you doing? We always have 15 minutes. If you got an idea for that tattoo, I'd love to hear it. Why don't you stand up with me? I want to pray over this as we get ready to go. And I want to make sure I always have this caveat in there. When we start talking about this, you know, how, what, are, what are we doing with our resources? How are we using it? You can get overwhelmed, right? You can go, oh man, I got 18 categories in my head right now that I'm trying to figure out how I can do better in. Don't do that. Don't wear yourself out like that. Don't burn yourself out like that. Ask God to show you the first thing. God, what's the first best thing that I can change the way that I think about starting today? For me, it was the 15 minutes, right? It was the 15 minute rule. What's the first best thing for me today, God? Then when I get that down, then I'll go to the next one. Because remember, it's not a poof. It's not a we're all better. We're not going to try to implement everything all at once. But give him a chance to work on one thing really well in your life over the next few weeks. God, what's the first best thing that you would have me change the way that I'm looking at, change the way that I'm thinking about? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us the truth. Even when it's not easy to hear, God, you give us the truth. You tell us what life is really all about. And Father, I thank you that we have seen growth in you. We have seen sanctification in our life with you. And I thank you that that will continue because you're faithful to complete the work that you've begun on the inside of us. Lord, show us that first best thing. Show us that first best thing of how we can better manage the resources that you have so graciously gifted to us to benefit others around us and to make friends. Lord, to stretch out into things that will last for absolute ever and not be so concerned with the things that are going to be used up by the end of the day. I thank you that we'll see that every good and perfect gift comes down from you and we want to use it in worship to you. Show us that best first thing. Put it on our heart, put it on our mind and show us how you would have us to think better about it. I thank you that you don't leave us like we are, but that you grow us up into the faith that you have called us into in our Lord Jesus Christ. God, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Protect your people as we go. Keep us safe. God, I thank you for your grace and mercy that will go before us and behind us. Lord, we continue to pray that you relieve us from this virus and everything that comes along with it. We know that you're bigger and we know that you're able. And I thank you that we won't get so wrapped up in the things that are going on in the world that we can't be effective in the areas that you have placed us. We don't want to be so affected by things that are outside of us, outside of our control, even outside of our area that we can't be effective right here in the six feet around us. Give us strength, give us peace, give us wisdom, give us favor as we go through this week. Thank you that you give us everything that we need because you love us so much. And then you use us then to love those around us, our neighbors, the ones that you put in our path. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.